Welcome back to Real Voices of the Game Productions. I'm Dave D'Agostino, and I'm joined by my co-host and star of this show, Kelly Franco Throop. And this is a date in October with KFT. We're in episode 224 right now, and I just want to thank our audience. We hit a milestone this weekend, 20,000 subscribers now with three of our podcast streams, and we found out our fourth one matches that subscriber list. So we are up close to 40,000 subscribers right now. Just keep supporting us, audience. We appreciate you. We're about to hit, a, I guess, a, a new venture in our activities. We've kept you ad-free, but we're, we're talking to sponsors right now. So real excited about everything going on. So sponsors, if you're interested in jumping on board, please reach out. We'd be more than happy to entertain opportunities with anybody that matches our philosophy and the way we do things. So um, just keep doing it. We can keep providing you great content like Kelly does on this show as well. Um, 72 countries have been loyal to us, so we appreciate our global audience and hopefully our content matches your your social needs. And we're just trying to keep it fun, trying to bring about truths in baseball life. And, you know, we're real excited about what we have to offer on all our shows, specifically this show. But So, Kelly, welcome back to your show. You go every other week with us um, with this show, just so our audience kind of gets in their rhythm. But uh, welcome back to your show. I'm so glad to be here, Dave. And yeah, I do every other week because some of your listeners might know by now that I am an attorney by day. So I sprinkle in baseball with the law. Yeah, with with that with with regular work, like people forget that we do, right? They think we're uh, lifetime podcasters here on the air all the time. So we do have lives after this. And Kelly's a Kelly's an attorney by trade and brings that perspective in addition to her upbringing as a you know younger sibling with brothers on baseball and her passion for baseball, the experience we've talked about with the Baseball Hall of Fame, uh, being a lecturer there and um, is, is a, you know, as, as her social media tag tells, three inning fan, um, is a baseball fan by night. When the games last that long, though, a lot of them are done by the ninth or by nine o'clock now. So you don't get to be that three inning fan. You have to change your tag to one inning fan now. I know, I know. We got to work on that, Dave. Everything's changed right now. You know, the dog needs to go for a walk, and I head out and I come back in, and it's like I missed two innings. Yeah, that's it. But so with our show today, you've got, uh, you know, you've got a, a nice rhythm to it. You've got our, you know, top of the first, where you've got a topic that's, you know, touching, touching you in a in a spot that you feel like you need to get something out of your system and to our audience, and then we've got our, you know, kind of the meat and potatoes of our not to pardon the pun with our ending part, but you know, we've got our main topic. We're going to hit on the all-star game this week. And then at the end, obviously the audience wants to know what's good to eat while they're, they're watching this stuff. So let's, uh, let's start top of the first right now. Uh, I know you, we were touching on the angels a little bit in our pre-show prep. So I'll let you kind of roll with that. I did want to talk about the angels because it's everybody's favorite question right now. Will the angels deal Otani at the trade deadline August 1. Now, the plan had been that the Angels wanted to try to make the postseason because there was a feeling that they'll they'll never get to re-sign Otani if they don't make the postseason um, and that they would not trade him midseason. But now we've got the Angels kind of mired in, I don't want to say mediocrity, but I think they're in third place in the AL West and they're playing okay ball. But then Mike Mike Trout got hurt on July 3rd. He has a broken hamate bone in his wrist, and he's going to be out four to eight weeks, which is a big span. They don't know when he's coming back yet. So we've got to kind of return to this question. The playoffs are less likely, and will the Angels deal Otani? Now, 
I think that the only thing worse than having Otani leave your team is to have him leave and get nothing in return. If they trade him, they can get some young talent, although it would also be an obvious white flag on the rest of their season. But in spite of this, Dave, I still think they don't trade him. I think they try to stay competitive. They've got an expanded postseason now. So look, they got six teams from each league making the playoffs. So even if it's a shot at the wild card, a slim shot, they got a shot. And they can still make money by having Otani on the team. People buy tickets. They go to see him. They buy the merch. And so I think they stick with him. Now, at the end of the season, I don't think they get him. I think they make an offer to him that, with apologies to Vito Corleone, that he will likely refuse. But the ownership will save face with fans by not trading him away. Another thing they could do is extend him the qualifying offer, which he would reject, and then they'd at least get a draft pick out of it. So there are these logical considerations on either side. There are decent arguments with, do you deal them and get some young talent back, or do you just play out the rest of the season with them? But for me, I always think everybody's favorite motivation is the desire not to be embarrassed. And I think about Artie Marino and I think, you know what? Who wants to be the owner who traded Otani? He would go down with Harry Frizee, the owner of the Red Sox who traded Babe Ruth. Nobody wants to be remembered in baseball that way. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a quandary. And you talk about Trout's injury. I heard that with his, his injury, it's a byproduct of wrapping that pinky around the bottom of the bat. That's what some of these hitters are doing now. I see a lot of young guys doing it where instead of uh, ending where the knob is or a bat manufacturer making one where they could extend that pinky, that's how the injury happened. Um, and I don't think it's been reported upon. And I'm not a doctor and I did not examine him, but that's it seems to be a common trend when guys have that particular injury. So Trout's arguably the best player of his generation and we never get to see him in the postseason. Um, I, know. So. I know. And that's fascinating insight, Dave, because – when I looked at the tape of him fracturing the wrist, I was expecting to see the ball hit his wrist, but it was not an impact injury. Not, yeah, not in that regard, but that people forget. Like when you when you hit that baseball, there's force towards you and force against, and there's, there's an impact on that, and how you distribute your hands on that bat affects the rest of your body. And I obviously that's, a, you know, based on the injury, that's a, it puts his hand and his wrist in a weak spot. Um, you know, the power, the power hand is the top hand, but the control hands, the bottom. And I've never liked that, but again, I'm Mike Trout's just a little bit stronger than I am. So I'm surprised <laughs> his, his body sustained, but on, on Otani now, if, uh, you know, I, I, he's a can't miss watch for me. And you made a great point about his, his game being global. The game's global itself, but Otani's global. You talk about the Asian market with his merchandise, watching games, the way Major League Baseball streams it now. We've we've covered that in our last show. The Angels want to win, I'm sure, but I can't even imagine the amount of money they're making off of him. As as you mentioned, Babe Ruth. Not to not to uh, be sacrilegious in any way, comparing something to Babe Ruth, but um, they got to be making money hand over fist on just his presence alone and his performance. I mean, just as as an organization. It's one of those moments, Dave, where we have to pinch ourselves because when we think 
of baseball greats. We think of Ruth. We think of Mantle. We're watching a baseball great. It's happening right now before our eyes. Yeah. I got asked on another podcast I was a guest on. There was an impromptu question. They said, if you could pick a player in Major League Baseball to start your franchise around right now, you know, age being a factor, who would it be? And without hesitation, I said, Otani. Um, I don't care if he decided to be a pitcher or a hitter. He could pick one. But the fact that he does both, he stays injury-free, knock on wood. But, uh, I mean, his his ability to put the ball in play, his ability to hit with power, he steals bases. You know, he's a number one starter. And if they really wanted to get creative with him, you can make him a closer and just put him as a DH, and he's in your lineup every day and probably pitching every day for you. But I don't know what, what that would do to his body, but th- th- he's just fun to watch. He plays the game the right way, uh, um, whether he's pitching or hitting, and he's durable and smart and athletic. I mean, he's everything you want in a player, and – I'm wondering at this trade deadline, like who would benefit from getting, I mean, everybody would benefit from getting, but who would you think, who would you see as suitors? Just, you know, we're playing, we're playing uh, armchair GM right here, but um, who could be potential suitors, do you think? Well, the Dodgers are always in the conversation, but one team I think about are the Rangers. I mean, they're a serious team this year and they could say, you know what, this is our time to make a run. We lost to Grom, but we've got some, we've got a great office, Marcus Simeon, great offense with Marcus Simeon. And we got Nate Ivaldi pitching great. You know, if we get Otani in here, we've got another strong pitcher to replace DeGrom and we've got someone else in the offense. Yeah, it's a great thought. And Texas has what, seven all-stars this year? Is that Yeah, they got a lot, yeah. So they're a franchise that's made the move in the right direction. They hired an old school baseball coach, which is I thought was a great move. One of the best in the business, maybe one of the best in the history of the game. And with the loss of DeGrom, you would think, okay, this the ship is sinking, but they haven't missed a beat. Otani would be a great addition to an already, you know, well-established team this year to, to make a run. So I think I like that great. So, well, we, we had the draft last night. We've got the all-star game looming right now. Um, you know, I'm caught between generations as you are. We, you know, there's there's different views on where the All Star Game was and where it is right now, and what significance it has in the game. What's uh, what's on your mind regarding the All Star Game? Well, I did a video on this last week on my Twitter and Instagram handles, and I hope our followers will go take a look over at that at, at Three Inning Fan. It's all spelled out, and I am just about. 50 followers short of the 1,000 follower mark. So I'd love to get over that hump. People could go check out my video. That's a challenge, audience. There you go. Go get it. Um, But Dave, you know, what we want as fans is we want a meaningful all-star game. We want the players to play hard. And as fans, we want to root hard. And... After a great deal of soul searching on this issue, because I I wanted to fix it, I wanted to make it better, I wanted to make it more compelling, and I thought, what can we offer? Because I'm someone who believes you shouldn't complain if you're not proposing a way to make things better. Sure. But I kind of came to the conclusion that the days of the compelling, hard-fought All-Star game are over, and we can't go back. And so I went back and I searched history and I consulted what I call my baseball cabinet, which is some nephews and nieces and brothers and sisters. 
And I thought, how did we get here? And the first scenario I came to is that when you talk to people who are 10, 20, 30 years older than us about the All-Star Game, what is the iconic moment that they bring up that epitomizes how hard players used to play to win? Do you want to hazard a guess? Oh, it's Pete Rose, Ray Fossey. Pete Rose barreling into Ray Fossey. I mean, he basically risked both of their careers to win this game. And so if there are any casual fans out there, because, you know, I always like to include casual fans and maybe they need a little primer on this. Yeah, there's, there's, there's a practical reason, too, in, in addition to the competitiveness. So 1970 All-Star Game, it's tied at four in the bottom of the 12th. Just the fact that we had an All-Star Game that was tied at four in the bottom of the 12th is an indication of an older time. Pete Rose is on second base. Jim Hickman of the Cubs lined a hit to center field. Rose barreled around third and toward home plate. AL catcher Ray Fossey tries to block Rose's path. And Rose, and you can pick your word here, he catapulted himself, body checked himself, barreled himself into Fossey with such force that Fossey's glove and his ball went flying. Rose scored and the NL won. As a side note, they say Fossey was never the same player after that. Um, that's what I read. I don't know that for a fact. Yeah. Now, I know there's some big Pete Rose fans on this channel. I'm not one of them. But I have to say, you know, he showed fans how to win. And the All-Star game was play hard, played very hard. And so if that was kind of a high point for the competitiveness of the All-Star game, the low point, I would have to say, and you you might have a different opinion on this. But no, I think me, we're on the same page. The tie game? Yes, yep. I oh hated that. Oh, my God. It was awful. So, 19, no, 2002, 2002 was the tie game. Tied after 11 innings. The uh, managers, Joe Torrey and Bob Brenly had used up all their pitchers, except for the ones that were still in the game. It's the 11th inning. And they went to chat with Bud Selig in the stands and they wound up calling it a tie game. And now, of course, all the pitchers were used because they had admittedly tried to get in all the pitchers into the sure. game because it's and the position players, too, for that matter, because they manage it like an exhibition. Yeah. And then their, they ran their out agents of would complain. Say their, again? Agents, their agents would complain because that's marketability that they didn't get in with their client would not, you know not getting an inning or an at bat or an inning, you know, on the mound as a, as a player. So yeah, it's, it's uh, everything except baseball taken into account. Right. Right. And so I did some soul searching and I thought, well, where did this go sideways? Why did it change? Why is honestly, why is it boring? I think the all-star game's boring. Let's be honest. And can it change back? Now, the major thing that I came up with was interleague play. That's it right there. Yeah. It used to be that the AL and the NL, never the twain shall meet, except in the All-Star Game and the World Series. So when they met up in the All-Star Game, it meant something. It was a battle of the leagues. And you did a great podcast the other day with Jeff Idelson and Gene Fruth. I thought yeah. that was a really good pod. And they were talking about the World Baseball Classic 
and how it was a pride of country. And I thought it dovetailed right into what I wanted to talk about today because there used to be pride of leagues, Dave. Oh, without a doubt. And I think that's a main, a main thing with it as well. That, uh, you know, I remember growing up, the, the NL had such a run on the American League and I was an American League fan. And they, I mean, it was, they just put it right in their face every year in the All-Star game. I want to go back to your, your Ray Fossey, Pete Rose incident. You know, two points that people, well, three points. One, the Fosseys and the Roses had dinner the night before. So it wasn't, they weren't, it wasn't like they weren't cordial. Uh, they were, because we, we, you know, these players are a little bit more familiar nowadays. They're playing together on travel. I mean, it's just, they know each other early, social media. So there isn't that angst, but those two had dinner the night before. Um, second point was, if you take a look at Fosse's position at home plate, he really gave Rose no choice. He was probably four to five feet up the line, took the whole base pass. So both guys were playing to stop that run. Fossey put his body in the way, um, you know, intentionally he was going to catch and he was going to just hold on for dear life. And Rose saw that. And I guess the only other way was to maybe slide out of the base path, but he had no, no choice but to kind of go through him. Um, and so and, and you, if you, if you, pull up that video on YouTube, whatever you like to watch it on, you'll get a chance to see that. Um, so those are, those are like a, a human aspect, a baseball aspect. And then from a, uh, a fan aspect, which, you know, those tickets to go to an all-star game, if you don't believe me, go, go hop on seat geek or whatever app you use to look for tickets, take a look at the price of an all-star game ticket, as opposed to a regular season game. Mm-hmm. And you're talking, you know, three, four, five thousand $5,000 to get a ticket and don't, and again, they're different era, but if you hear Pete Rose talk about it, regardless of what your opinion is on him as a person, the guy played the game hard. He he'll say flat out, those fans paid more money to see me play that day. And what am I going to do? Give them something less than they deserve. And uh, those are three points that you would not hear nowadays. Cause now there's a rule as opposed to how a catcher can catch at home plate. They, they can't even be near the base path. Otherwise, it's automatic, you know, interference, and he's he's safe. Um, you know, having dinner the night before is normal, uh, but I bet you if you saw that play today, and in the in the players, I don't know if they're aware of what the fans make and how much they pay for those tickets. But um, you know, we're dealing with a different different type of athlete who deals with load management nowadays, right? Inning restrictions. It's you know, tie games as we talked about. So that's kind of my little rant on that. Well, I'm really glad that you chimed in because that's a really good point about where Ray Fossey was playing and that would not be permitted under today's rules. And it also reminded me of the fact that that All-Star game was in Cincinnati. So Pete Rose was in front of his hometown crowd and he, I think, had left a possible winning run on base earlier in the game and maybe two times earlier in the game. And so he wanted to score that run. And I read that he's got a full hometown crowd and President Nixon was in the crowd and he was like, I am scoring that run no matter what it takes. Yeah, that that was his mentality. Um, And then, you know, that's missing in the game. I I think the reason you mentioned is, number one, the interleague play. There's no angst right now. They think adding, I don't know if it's still the rule or not, where the winner gets home field advantage in the World Series. That's they, still, they nixed that, yeah. you know, it didn't generate the excitement that I think they thought it would. I think they were looking for a solution after that terrible tie game year. 
But I'm like you. I grew up an AL fan. And when you grew up an AL fan, first of all, the AL lost almost every year when we were growing up. Yeah. And the other thing is that we got kind of taunted because the NL fans would always say, you know, we play real baseball in the National League where the pitcher bats for himself. So, you know, we were always a little bit on the defensive in the AL about that. And there were differences between the leagues besides the DH. Each league had its own president. They had their own umpires. They even had informally different strike zones. Remember, we'd say, oh, that's an NL strike or that's an AL strike, even though in the rule book it said the same thing. There were different strike zones. They said it used to be because the umpires wore different chest protectors. Yeah, no, it's, it, it's and again, those nuances made it exciting and I, I kind of liked it as well. And um, so with that being said, what about the festivities around the All-Star game? You've got the, we've got the home run contest. Um, yeah, they, you know, they do some things to try and spruce it up. I personally think the home run derby is a bore. You know, again, I'm sounding like old man shaking my fist at the clouds. Um, but you know what? The kids like it. So that's good. And I, I think the important thing to remember is that the kids who are watching the All-Star Game now aren't comparing it to Pete Rose in 1970. They don't have that backdrop. And so they don't think it's boring because they don't know how it used to be. So if the kids are enjoying it, I'm not going to be a curmudgeon about it. Good for them. I'm glad it's entertaining. Um, but I think that it's part of baseball history to look at the reasons why it's changed and why it can't go back. And one of the huge issues that can't be ignored is the money. You know, that's really the elephant in the room is that the players today are paid tens of millions of dollars a year. They sign contracts that are worth hundreds of millions of dollars, some of them. And they're just not going to risk getting hurt in a fancy scrimmage game, which is what the all-star game has become. And guys back in the 70s and 80s, they were making less. Um, they, I'm sure they didn't want to get hurt either, but they were making less. Um, but now we have, we just talked about Shohei Otani. He could be worth a half a billion dollars next year. So he's not going to barrel into a catcher in the all-star game. Yeah. And I think that's the theme of the, the first one we talked about too. It's, it's a money. Everybody, this game has gotten so big with the dollars and cents that can be made around the game. Um, forget about home runs, hit and strikeouts and winning. There's Players make money whether they produce or not. Teams make money whether they're in first place or last place. And uh, it's become almost like a little circus event. I don't enjoy the All-Star game, and it's, I'm sad to say that. And I usually tune in just for the beginning because I feel like it's, you know, I kind of have to. And But I, I never watch much of it. And the Home Run Derby contest does not interest me at all. I don't uh, – I do like the Futures game. I do like watching the Futures game that week. So I, I did tune into that to see some of the young yeah, talent. And I guess the, the AL prevailed. Yeah, some good young tenant that they're at a time now where they're some, you know, they've all made some money with their bonus, but it's still exciting for them. They haven't made it yet. And, you know, that futures game puts them, it puts them against the best of the best. And there's, they're, even though they know of each other, there's still that anxiety of saying, okay, who's the best out here? Who's, and to me, that's, that's what the all-star game does for somebody from an individual standpoint. You're out there looking at, you know, you look, think back to the days we're talking about, you get, you look, you get. Think of the think of a locker room, you know, where you're looking around, Mickey Mantle, Willie Mays, Hank Aaron, 
thinking, you know, in their mind, they're thinking, am I the best in this room? Um, I don't know if that goes on nowadays. I don't think, I don't know if people care. Well, that's a really interesting point about the futures game because those guys haven't made their big ticket yet and they do have something to prove. And that's what you want to see. You want to see people playing hard. Yeah, that's all we want is, you know, whether you're a former player, coach, fan, tuning in, you just, you want to see, you know, think about your job outside of the podcast here. People come to you, they just want an honest effort. They want to, they want, they want to, somebody who's going to work hard with them and for them. So I agree with you on that. Um, What else are we missing on that all-star game that we didn't, we didn't cover or hit on other than my complaining? Uh, yours and mine both, Dave. You know, I just thought we'd look at it from the manager's perspective a little bit because one of the reasons I wanted to complain was I wanted to say, you know what would make this better is if the managers managed it like it was a real game and not an exhibition game. But then I thought, you know, the managers don't want to gamble with some other manager's player. I mean, there's a code among managers too. And you know, Dusty Baker or Rob Thompson out there this year, they're not going to risk some, you know, pitcher hurting his arm by pitching multiple innings. They have to be careful and, and treat everybody with kid gloves. Yeah. And, and I respect that. I mean, that's, that's a, an agreement among managers that's going on through time where they'll communicate with each other about, you know, where is he at in the rotation? What's okay to use? How is it okay to use him? Um, you know, who, whether it's a catcher, hitter, whatever it may be, I think that communication is good stuff, um, for that. And, and the managers, I don't know if they do it now, I doubt it, but they used to be like, well, the fans came to see him. Can I, can I bat him first? Let him get one at bat and then take him out. Um, that was, that used to be the exception to the rule. Now it's the rule. And I guess that's mm-hmm. probably what we're both hitting on. You know, and they also do this thing where now there's a representative from every team and, I'm going to go a little old school on that and say, I don't like it. I don't know how you feel about that one. Go ahead. Yeah. You know, I I would rather see Acuna versus Otani um, still in the game in the sixth inning than the, pardon me while I pick on the Kansas city Royals, than the honorary Kansas city Royal out there who's there because every team got a representative. No, it's a product of the way, you know, I, we shared before the show, I'm coming back from right at a time where there's a lot of tournaments going on for grassroots sports, baseball or basketball. And I mean, it's everybody gets a ring. Everybody gets a medal. Um, you know, everybody's got it's 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 no longer. I love inclusive. I love that kids get to play. Kids get to participate. Um, and I think that's important. But the exclusivity of you know, finding out who the best of the best are. I think we have more better athletes nowadays and we have less elite athletes. There's less of that cream of the crop, but there's more better. And I miss the cream of the crop. And that's kind of what we're addressing on the all-star. I don't think everybody needs a representative there, put the best players there, you know? And I think that's a, that's a product of where everybody gets a trophy generation where, and these guys are men, they're pro athletes. You know, I don't care if it's men or women, you know, if it's women, just, you know, they can handle it. And that's more marketing promotion, somebody complaining. We need somebody with a hat on because that means dollars and cents and it takes away the competitiveness. But it, but it, at least they're consistent. I'll give them that. Well, and then 
and I think this is the last thing I'm going to complain about, but there are no guarantees. But I feel very strongly, I'll take this to my grave. The players should be wearing their own uniforms. I do not like these homogenized AL and NL uniforms. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that too. I like the, if, yeah, they, especially if they're going to have everybody represented. Let them be represented. Let them, let them show their their colors. You know, one league wears home, the other one wears away. However, they want to do it. But yeah, I'm, I'm in total agreement with you. So, did, will will you tune in? Having said all we said, will you tune into the All Star game? I will tune in, and I'll do. It sounded like I'm going to do kind of what you do. I tune in, I watch it, but when it happens to be bedtime, I don't fight off the sleep to stay awake for it. I'm just going to be like, all right, I'll I'll hear who wins in the morning. Is that what you do? Yeah, I, uh, I, you know, again, same thing. I tune in. I guess I'm just hopeful that I'm going to see something different. I know my my son will watch the home run. He loves the festivities around it, and I. I try to watch with the, the boys and my wife will watch too, but I lose interest after a while. I may be there, but I'll be doing something else while it's on. And, you know, I just, uh, and then, you know, maybe catch some of the players I don't get to see on a regular basis, but I go in with low expectations. I guess that's the best way to say it. And um, I'm certainly not disappointed in that case, but yeah, I won't, I'm not riveted by it. I'm not must see if I have something else to do. I certainly, you know, will, will do that. But uh won't be on very long, I imagine. And I do think that baseball's done a good job of putting in some of these other events besides the All-Star Game. And the kids do like the Home Run Derby. And you can't argue with kids having fun. So that's a nice thing. And another good thing I think they've done is coordinating the draft in the same city as the All-Star Game. This is the third year in a row they've done that. And I think that's kind of exciting. Yeah, and they did add, as you you pointed out in our show notes, they did add the HBCU game to it, um, you know, to you know, to try to promote the historical black college and university. So that's another another uh, positive they're trying to do with the game. But uh, I wish it would just get back to the game. Right, right. But uh, yeah, you. I think you're right, though. The kids like the home run derby. Maybe that's more of a chronicle the way I used to hit. I, I was not a home run hitter, so <clears throat> maybe it's more of a maybe a therapist could sort that out for me. Maybe it's more of that. I'm <laughs> mad that I couldn't hit home runs. It's more of a single sitter. So, well, but, they've also I read and I had no idea about this that they've added a celebrity softball game, and then of course I went to see who was playing in it. And if you want to feel old, go do that because you will not recognize a single celebrity. That's an air quotes, a single celebrity on the list. Yeah, I, I, they do that with basketball now too. And I think they started that with football as well, where they do like a flag football game. And I think they're, they're catering more like the game itself. They're catering it more to the casual fan or the non-fan trying to win them over. And the people that are real diehards in it, I think just get more turned off by the day with some of that stuff. So yeah, I, I can, I can pretty much tell you that I won't be turning into any celebrity stuff. I didn't even know they had it to be honest. So, um, but, uh, and I think Dusty Baker's kind of behind and with the HBCU push. So, um, you know, I think that's, that's good stuff. It gives, you know, a, a portion of the university system where some of the, if you go back in time and your historical buff with baseball, you'll see some of the, the some of these, uh, older baseball stars came from historical black colleges and universities along the way. I think Andre Dawson, if I'm not mistaken, um, but anyway, I, I'll probably try to tune in for that as well. 
But yeah, other than that, uh, not super enthused about the week. It is kind of a week to get a little bit of a break um, from from the the rigors of being a baseball fan. I did I did like the draft. Um, I always watch the draft, and people make fun of me because they're like, "Well, I can't just look at that in the paper the next day." But I kind of like to see the kids' excitement. Um, hear hear more detail about each draft pick. So I do get caught up in all all the major sports drafts. I like watching them. Um, I'll, I'll admit that on the air. Yeah, I um, just this year kind of started to track it a little bit and I am enjoying it and I'm enjoying learning more about it. And that's a whole process to learn about, too. We'll have to do a podcast on that at some point, just how the draft works. Yeah, it's and it's, uh, you know, now you're forced me back on my soapbox here with the draft. It is I'm amazed at the poor business savvy of Major League Baseball. They want to grow the game. And when you grow something, you do not reduce the entry point. Not only have they reduced the draft from 52 rounds, which it used to be even more way back to 20, but they've reduced the minor league system, cut it in half. And I'm just thinking like that is the anti-business model to growing a game. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's what you don't do. It's rule number one. You don't reduce the entry point. So Mm -hmm. MLB baffles me. Um, They're, they're only in charge of billion because if we think about it, all the decisions we talked about today had to do with money. And that takes business savvy. And now they're reducing the entry point with all this stuff. So yeah, the draft would be great because there's all sorts of rules within there. You've got the regular draft, you've got the international draft, you've got the rule five draft, um, all sorts of cool stuff that if you're, uh, you're into that, I think that would make a great podcast. So we'll put that down. Put it on the list. Should yeah. we talk about something good to eat? Yes. I think we're, uh, you know, everyone's waiting on that right there. So I know each week you end your show with, you know, what's good to eat while watching a game. So hit us with what you got this week. Well, Dave, you know, it's summer. And I think that uh, even up here in the Northeast, we actually are getting delicious summer fruits. And so I wanted to go with some peach cobbler. I think a peach cobbler is a good thing to eat while watching a game. And I don't want to upset Coach Sal because it is a dessert and it does have some sugar in it. But I think Coach Sal and I both agree. I would guess that we probably both agree on the 80-20 rule. Like if you can be good 80% of the time, then you can have a little fun 20% of the time. So maybe you can ask Sal if he's okay with on weekends, treat yourself to a peach cobbler. There are other kind of cobblers you can make. My good Twitter friend, Wayne Tyson, lives in Florida, and he has so many berries in his life. He practically eats berry cobbler as a food group. Um, And I would put some vanilla ice cream on that. I think a cobbler is no place for fancy ice cream. So I'm going to go traditional. No, I don't think Coach Sal would would disagree with it. He's he's big on as long as it's not in abundance. And he does that with healthy foods, too, Um, that he's, he's all in favor of you know, doing that, especially if you work out. And one of the adages we say is you, you can't uh, work your way out of a bad diet. So again, he, he'll hit me on that all the time about any health foods or if you do it a lot, it's bad for you as well. So, well, remind our, our audience, I know we talked about it in the middle of the show or toward the beginning, where can we find you? Where can we support you? And you mentioned that 50 followers challenge our audience again to, to get on that. Thanks, Dave. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at at three inning fan. Three is all spelled out. And I'm 50 followers away from a thousand followers on Twitter. So I hope the audience out there will hop on Twitter and give me a follow. Yeah, we're, we're recording this on Monday. It'll be posted on Tuesday, the 11th. So 
from 11 till Friday. Let's get that done. That's not that hard. That's a, you know, a dozen followers a day. We'll push her over the top and uh, we'll, you can ride off into the sunset. Hopefully you still talk to us once you hit that milestone, a thousand followers, you don't get too, <laughs> too big. We I'll won't return our calls. Good deal. <laughs> well, um, with that, anything we missed today, anything you want to leave the audience with parting shot? No, I don't think so. And I, I can't even tempt you with what my next video is going to be out because I think like you, my brain took a little mental baseball break this week along with the all-star break. So we'll just have to see what comes up. Yeah, that'll be good. So I try to get you to, to spill a little bit, but I like your restraint. We will, uh, we'll be back in two weeks with this show and we'll make sure that we promote it before we come back on. But Enjoy the all-star game today. Good luck in court. I always wish you luck in court. As Thank long you. As not, as long as you're not suing me, I'm going to wish you luck in court. <laughs> and, um, but uh, great show today. Audience, enjoy the all-star break. Whatever your persuasion is, you like the game, you like the derby, you like the celebrity stuff, watch what you want to watch. Make sure you hit us up on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter as well. I'll answer one question a day live. Everything else will get back privately. Um, no holds barred. You can get what you want. But as I mentioned earlier, 20,000, we hit the, hit the mark, plus an additional on one of our streaming devices that doesn't quite bulk with the other three. So we've, uh, we, we, we blew up in a hurry and we're being rewarded for it. So, but we thank you, the audience for doing that. We kept you ad free for as long as we could. And now we're getting hit by, by sponsors. So we're going to entertain, um, but we're going to keep providing you the great content that we promise you week to week. So Kelly, thanks so much for what you do for the show. Uh, episode 224, a date in October with KFT delivered as always. Thanks, Kelly. Thanks, Dave. See you next time.